to Mastering Retention, presented by UserWise. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to today's episode of the Mastering Retention Podcast. I'm Tom Hammond, your host and co-founder of UserWise. Um, today, we actually have a very special episode. Um, I have never actually had a user acquisition expert on the podcast today, but today we've got uh, Varya from Sheepyard. Um, so really excited to, to dive into the world of UA and you know, go through all the details that you wish, you know, product people knew more about from a user acquisition perspective, because I think it is such an important part of our industry today. Um, and yet a lot that product people don't really know about <laughs> goes on behind the scenes. So uh, I'm excited to uh, pull back the veil a little bit today and, and dive in. Uh, but before we do, um, Varya, can you kind of tell us, like, how did you get here? How did you end up working in games? Like, what's your story? Yeah, uh, first of all, uh, hi, Tom. Thank you for inviting me to be a guest on your podcast. It's really nice. And uh, I've been watching some of your podcasts and great people were invited, great insights. Uh, a little bit about myself. Um, Varya, as you mentioned, I work uh, at Shipyard. It's a startup company based in Poland. And uh, we have a lot of uh, different games, like within different genres. And uh, how I started my career, uh, I actually was studying in China and I'm from Russia. So it's, uh, yeah, I've been traveling a lot. Uh, I was, uh, I think I can call myself life uh, long player. I was playing all the time games, uh, like for different reasons, just to relax or, uh, you know, to hang out with friends and uh, actually the first gift of my father when I was like adult, it was like PlayStation. So <laughs> yeah, uh, I was always a gamer, I can say. And uh, But I never saw that I can like uh, actually work in the game industry. Like uh, I, I always liked games, but uh, never thought of this. And uh, yeah, uh, actually, my sister, she'd been living in Poland for quite a long time. And her husband worked in Boombit company. It's also based in Poland and uh, game dev. Uh, they uh, develop uh, mobile games. And uh, yeah, I was kind of like uh, tired of uh, China. <laughs> I wanted to try something new and I visited uh, Europe. Poland, I was like in love with this place. And uh, there was a chance uh, because my brother-in-law work uh, in game industry and we figure out it's nice uh, for me to start like to try it. I didn't know anything about game dev industry. So it was like really from the scratch. I enjoyed it. Like when I started to work and it was some challenges, of course, learning. And uh, I was lucky to meet some nice folks from the industry who actually helped me in some questions and uh, yeah it was like really fun and uh, in the other side challenging that's how I started I think it was like kind of four years ago something like this and I stayed uh, I changed then a couple of uh, companies and lucky me I came to shipyards like these really cool people and yeah, that's, that's really briefly of me. 
Yeah, so you kind of kind of got into it at, at Boombit, then you did uh, a little bit at Playrix, right? Um, yeah. And then kind of moved over to Sheepyard. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, well, that's awesome. So, you know, maybe we could just start uh, thinking about things from a high level. So, so a secret that maybe isn't that much of a secret, but just about everyone that I know that works in gaming has these like secret aspirations of one day starting their own studio and having the creative freedom to make, you know, the kinds of games that they want and the way that they want to make them and whatnot. Um, you know, let, let's pretend for a moment that I've, you know, gone out and I've started a new studio coming more from the product background as a lot of, uh, founders seem to be these days. Um, you know, I've now made a game. It's pretty fun. I think it's ready for soft launch, but you know, what is like the first step that you would tell me that I should be thinking about from a user acquisition perspective or like, what's the, what's the thing that UA should be doing at, you know, maybe each stage of the game creation process. So, you know, should UA be involved before a game prototype is even made? I think like uh, it's always start with the idea, right? Like uh, if you have an idea what your game wants to create, then you're starting to create in it, but without uh, knowing uh, actually like your audience and why do you want this game to be created? Like what your goals, it's like making money or just for fun as hobby. And from this point of view, I think uh, when you have already the goal and you know the plans, what you want to do with the game, there comes like uh, uh, advertising, right? Uh, people, not only UA team, like, uh, but uh, product team, designers, uh, you know, ASO team, it's actually uh, a lot of like departments, uh, which you need to consider to acquire. And from the UA perspective, uh, I will say it's uh, really good to start to uh, involve UA when the game in the very beginning of like prototype, uh, because uh, Without, uh, I think, uh, knowing your audience, uh, having like researches, uh, having some early tests, uh, you don't really know what direction you should go and uh, how to actually prepare the not just a nice game in your opinion, but which uh, audience will accept and actually uh, like having fun to play and uh, stay within your game. So I think from the early prototype of the game, it's already nice to have UA person uh, and already closely uh, collaborate with uh, UA team. How would I figure out, you know, what audience my game is for, or you know, how would I figure out like what that audience wants? Like, you know, if I've got this like game idea, like should I even start with a game idea, or should I start with like picking some sort of audience first? Uh, I'm not sure how actually like from product perspective, uh, guys are creating the games what they like, uh, what they aim, but. Uh, I think when you start in creating some game, you actually most of the cases you you it, uh, it's yourself like to play this game and you already kind of know the audience because you've been uh, you know uh, maybe communicate with the people you were playing like with your friends so you have kind of like uh, already signs like you know already kind what kind of people can play this game and. Uh, you can do a lot of options how you can uh, actually look for your audience. Uh, 
it's uh, it's a marketing research you know you can look to your competitors you can look to a different uh, nice uh, platforms like discord seeing what people like there what games uh, they like uh, yeah twitch discord steam it's really a lot of nice platforms where you can learn about the audience and yeah, start from like step-by-step uh, step, uh, learning about the audience of this genre. But to be honest, like now uh, I'm speaking of myself, I really like to play different genre games. Like I play, uh, we have Storebound, it's a car strategy game. I play uh, outside of work, I play board games, chess. I really like mobile games, puzzle games. Uh, I like idle games. It depends kind of my mood. So it's, uh, you know, I think for gamers, you can find like really it's diversity of gamers. You can uh, acquire people who played role-playing games before, but they actually really interested in now playing your game, like car strategy or shooting game. So let's say that I have, you know, I'm, I'm making a match three game and maybe I'm even lucky enough that I've, you know, played a lot of match three games and I maybe have an understanding of, of what people like, but, um, you know, you, you did kind of call out the importance of, of kind of doing research. Um, is there a certain type of research that should be done or a certain way that that research should be done? Like, is, is it really just, you know, finding those people on discord or I, I guess for match three, you probably wouldn't find them on discord. You probably find them on like a Facebook group or something. Like, is it just kind of finding them and, and trying to do like user interviews or, you know, is there something else that you've found is effective or is it not even that far? And it's more of like, doing like, a, I don't know if you guys have ever used like a geek lab or a store maven or something where like you kind of create like a, a mock-up of the game or the art style. And like, you just do some, you know, dummy Facebook ads to see like what sort of CPI are people going to respond to or gameplays that they're going to respond to. Yeah. We actually did not use Geek Club yet. Uh, I think we will consider it for the future. Uh, it's pretty nice platform, but uh, what we did, uh, of course, we did uh, on our early um, on the early development of the game, we did some campaigns test on Facebook to actually acquire audience to understand uh, what audience stays with us. Uh, we did uh, early retention test, uh, CPI test, and actually to understand our demographic as well. Uh, it's really important uh, thing to do but there are a lot of articles which you can find uh, on the internet even like uh, articles reports for the genres and uh, it's really nicely and straightforward talking about the different uh, people different audience within the markets even like you can find uh, what audience uh, what players like to play in us or japan or korea and yeah it's a lot of ways to learn about the audience and of course tests always will help you and receive more accurate data than just articles like for your specific product right because you never know you can find some article that uh, those kind of players uh, and why they play uh, for instance uh, three match game right and you uh, do your uh, three match game but actually users might not like it it's uh, you have to test it you have to test in the beginning and see what people like 
collecting the feedbacks of users and uh, improve your uh, product. Cool. Okay. So, you know, moving from the concept layer where maybe I've figured out, hey, I ran some like, you know, test ads, did some stuff on Geek Lab, talked to some people. Seems like they like this sort of art style. Um, seems like, you know, here's a problem in a match three game where, um, you know, players don't like the cost of boosters or something like that. So I'm going to give them the ability to watch a rewarded video before each level to get like access to free boosters or something like that. It's like giving players a little bit more, like, can I change up the experience? Probably needs to be a lot more than that, but pretend that this is what we figured out. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I go in, I've created now a mock-up of the game. Maybe I've got like 30 minutes of gameplay and I want to actually get it out there and start getting some like real user feedback, kind of soft launching it. Um, you know, what should UA be doing at this stage or is, is there something they should be doing? Yeah, I think the uh, first experience of player is really crucial uh, for the, you know, for the product because you can actually uh, receive the feedback from the users and understand what you need to improve in your game. So when you work in developing the game and uh, it's... Uh, crucial understand what KPIs you need to look at to, to know, like, for instance, uh, you see that uh, tutorial uh, did not finish, uh, like tutorial finish really small percent of the players, right? So you actually need to go there deeper and understand why it's happening. Or it can be like a tutorial finish, like 90% of users, but like level first, uh, uh, finish only 40% of users. So it's uh, really, uh, it's really, you need to close work with uh, BI team as well, like a UA, per, uh, UA team with BI team to build this funnel of the user to understand the first time experience of users, where they drop off, uh, where they have good progression and learn from the early funnel of the user. So it will show you what you need to improve in the product. It give, you can even like, uh, it's good if you test also monetization side of the game, not just engagement. So early monetization can also show you, maybe you can, you need to change the store of the game. Uh, you need to change the, uh, you know, currency, the prices of an apps, or you need to work on your ads monetization. So first time, User experience is really important and collaborate with BI team, with product team is important. I guess a question within like this, I, I want to go into a soft launch um, and thinking a little bit more about like creatives here or whatnot. Um, so I, I think soft launch is important for a few things. Like generally, like I, I want to know what my C CPI is. I want to uh, test my like technical infrastructure, like are there like critical bugs and crashes and stuff? Um, and I want to start getting a gauge of retention. And then, you know, eventually if retention's there, then maybe like monetization and testing live ops as we get closer to global launch or whatnot. Um, but like in that early stage, like maybe we're past the the technical piece. Um, and now we're kind of on to like CPI retention type testing. Like what sort of creative would you recommend to create to like get out there like is it and this is coming a little bit more from like the hyper casual side of things but their typical approach is like 
take a 30 second clip of actual gameplay, try to make it exciting. Um, and just like put that in the ad because that's going to show players exactly what they're getting and probably going to like bring that, like, is that the right approach or is there, you know, something else that you found from an early soft launch perspective for, you know, creating the uh, creatives. I totally agree. And so like, uh, I've been, uh, I'm lucky I've been working on the game from the really like technical, uh, test, uh, to launch. And, uh, actually for in technical test, it's like, uh, you don't need really long, uh, time to do technical tests, just acquire some volume of users and see if there is no crashes. Right. Yep. And, uh, yeah. And then when you already start in working, like you start in test uh, of retention CPIs in the very beginning, like, uh, you all already want to see it. So you want to show users actual gameplay because, uh, especially when game in development and you need those uh, feedbacks it's in the early access you even asking for users for feedbacks right so it's in my opinion it's really good to show user the actual gameplay your main features of the gameplay and if you know that uh, those features those uh, you know elements might change within the you know development of the game it's good to mention it also maybe in your app store so yeah it's nice to show gameplay in the beginning even like when you do already launch the uh, game it's also great to like show how user can interact with the with your game with your elements mm. and to make sure to also collaborate with aso team because uh, you know you can show ads like with the actual gameplay uh, and uh, like on the store user go to the store you have great ctr uh, on the your creatives but user go to the store and he doesn't see any related like thing within your game, what he saw on the ad. So it will be like, uh, he won't install it. Yeah. Thinking about, you know, ASO and stuff, like are, are there some things that you've seen that have worked really well and things that you've seen that have worked really poorly? Like, you know, something, oh, I've, I've got this great ad that brings it in. And then this thing actually drove you know, players away, or, you know, I had a decent performing ad, but after we made this change, like everyone was like installing it once they got to the app page. Uh, I think uh, it was more, not when we did campaigns on Facebook, it was some situation with ASA uh, campaigns because uh, we were working on keywords, obviously. And then when user went to the store page and here, did not see related information to this keyword so he were just dropping right he did not install the game but normally because i mentioned it's important to work with aso team product team in ua we always making sure to show ads uh, which are really related to our aso store uh, to our aso and we work like uh, on the screenshots on icon uh, be testing uh, screenshots and sometimes we even using those screenshots uh, to show on ad to the mm. users. So we, we really try to like uh, show the most related information to the game. Do you find that the screenshots are more important or is it more about like the text and the description that's in there? Or, you know, do you find that people don't even really read the description? I think uh, it depends uh, of the game. 
uh, also depends on the like uh, if you acquire users. So probably users. Uh, I, I'm personally not really reading the description on the store page. Yeah, me either. <laughs> yeah, I think it's small percent who actually read, maybe like 20-30% of users who actually read the description. And maybe they read uh, uh, if you use headline, like text on your screenshots, uh, really clear, short, you know, about the game, uh, they probably read it. But uh, I think you always need to test, like, uh, not always put in, like, headline on screenshots, but actually test what works better. Mm -hmm. If you show, like, really clear uh, screenshot it, without the text, it can work as well. So, so Apple recently introduced the ability to have like multiple store pages. Um, yeah. Have you used those at all in the sense of like, let's pretend you have a Disney game that's out there um, and you show an ad for Princess Jasmine. Would you then send them to the store page that has screenshots that's like showing Princess Jasmine or maybe some other princess characters or whatnot? Um, or would you just send them to your main Disney game app that like all the ads are kind of sending to? Uh, I'm personally not doing ASO, but uh, yeah, and we did not, I think, use the product yet, but uh, it's good point. Like uh, if you show this in ad uh, and you see that uh, ad is winning, it shows really good KPIs. So uh, why not to replicate it to the store, right? And uh, so user can see it. So in user-wise, you can kind of create segments off of anything. Um, and so we, we talk a lot about um, player experience and stuff. So um, we're actually working with a game that's doing something like that, where um, if you see the ad for Princess Jasmine, once you ultimately download the game, you complete the Fatui, we then drop you into a new user uh you know event where you're actually working towards earning princess jasmine but if you saw the ad for let's say the simba character or whatnot you get put into a different event where you're working towards them and eventually the different players will kind of unify it like you know day yeah. 10 or something like that but it's like from the moment the player sees the ad all the way to like day 10 you've got this like unique customized experience that's oriented hopefully to like your player's persona or the things that you most like the best. But you need to learn what character actually uh, this person will like to receive, right? Uh, yeah. Like to achieve. So yeah, that comes to live ops. Uh, I think it's really great uh, because you can uh, really uh, improve uh, user, first time user experience uh, with this action. Like when you segment users and uh, targeting, it's really can improve, uh, you know, retention or even better metrics like monetization metrics. Yeah. Have you guys uh, ever used 12 traits to kind of like better understand your audience? No, not yet. In Shipyard, we did not use it. Uh, we have great uh, BI team and we now actually, uh, we have one of the game, Storebound game. Uh, it's collectible card game and uh, made by Paladin Studio. And we now implemented the analysis. It's RFM analysis, and uh, it's actually it's basic analysis, but really effective. So we can segment the users uh, based on this analysis and understand like behavior of user and potential of you know their payments. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I would also check out Twelve Traits. Um, 
I, I imagine that most guests that are listening already use them because they're, you know, used by like all the, all the big studios and stuff. Um, but uh, they, they do some really cool stuff where they basically will um, give your user base like surveys as well as like take a look at their data and behaviors and stuff. And they'll come back and they'll say like, okay, these players are really, um, you know, competitive and these players are really altruistic and stuff. Like I know um, one of the cool things that they, um, when I was talking to Joe, their, their CEO was, was referencing was, um, there was a shooter game that used them. And so they found out that a lot of their players, especially their paying players were really altruistic. And so they actually created a creative in their ad, um, that, you know, instead of the typical, like, you know, shooting, everything's yeah. kind of crazy, like typical, they, they made it about the player actually helping another player that, altruistic queue and they dropped their CPIs by like 50% um, while acquiring more users, which I thought was, you know, super cool. But then, you know, you can also then orient your game to have more of those altruistic moments, or you can do more of that, you know, ASO type stuff for those altruistic people. Um, so, you know, that end to end experience, I thought that was super cool. Yeah, I mean, personal, uh, when you personalize, uh, you know, events and offers, it's, uh, it has to work well. Like if I, if uh, I will receive some personalized event, uh, I will really like uh, appreciate it. So it's really nice to yeah. understand your players. I think it's the main key to understand your per, uh, players. That's why we're doing this analysis. Okay, so back to our game. Um, let's assume we've done the gameplay. We've got ASO that's like at least working reasonably well. Um, and actually on that note, would you say that there's a certain percentage that you should like shoot for on any given thing? Like um, if I show this ad to people, like what's the appropriate, you know, click through rate. And then of those people that click through, is there like a target of the people that land on the app page to those that actually then go on and download the game or whatnot? Like, is there an ideal funnel that you would look for think, from a metric uh, perspective? Yeah, I will definitely focus on the like metrics uh, CTR, IPM. It's actually how many people downloaded your game, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, because uh, it can be really high percentage of CTR, like because you showing really attractive, uh, you know, uh, video uh, and even using some misleading, some uh, company <laughs> does it. And uh, then you see that your IPM is pretty low. So you should do analysis, understand why. You should also look to your uh, App Store page. You should understand uh, why user actually did not install it. So it's happening, it's happening a lot. And uh, yeah, that's why I mentioned that it should be related like uh, ASO, like your store page with uh, ads you send in to the users. Gotcha. Makes sense. Okay. So let's, let's pretend that our, our game's looking good and we're getting ready to do a global launch. Um, so what would you be doing as the user acquisition manager, like at this point, like we're getting ready for a global launch and then going into the global launch, like what is UA doing at these, you know, different steps going into that? Yeah, uh, like during <clears throat> launch, you actually, uh, it's good to have uh, 
several tests, like not just technical, but then you go into engagement test and then you go into monetization test. And if you see that the product is ready, if the retention is good, if the monetization is good, so your product is ready to launch. And during soft launch, uh, you test in several markets, right? Not all the markets make sense. Uh, then you plan uh, to do worldwide campaigns to actually to see it can change even like retention within the market can be different. So it's nice to also do research, market researches, not only in the, you know, tier one geos for yourself, but uh, yeah, uh, market researches, it's crucial for worldwide campaign. And uh, also you work on the creatives because you, you used to work uh, within like one, two markets, show those creatives, and you never know if it will work like worldwide, like if it will work in Asian markets, in Europe, for instance. So just prepare the creative strategy, uh, prepare a market strategy and uh, test, see what works. Yeah, I, I normally, yeah uh, about creative, sorry. Uh, I normally like uh, testing a lot of creatives during soft lunch. So I actually will know what can potentially work and use it in the global launch, those creatives. Yeah, so kind of during that soft launch period where the product team is testing that monetization and retention and stuff, you're probably also testing a bunch of different, you know, types of creatives to as try to understand what works, right? Yeah, as much as possible. Do you have any like tips or strategies of like how you manage and create, you know, creatives? I, I feel like this is really daunting to a lot of new teams that maybe don't have experience with that. Like, do you find that it's like, let's say I want to do a 10 second ad um do you kind of modularize like break up where you've got like a standard beginning and then there's something that you test and change in here and then like the last little you know five seconds or whatever is like an in piece that's again kind of standard and you can kind of like pop one and pop in or like what's your typical approach that you found to work best with like iterating and testing multiple creatives yeah we actually change uh, like we testing a lot and uh, i even like uh, we had different strategies we tested a lot of uh, variations of like winning creative for instance and as you know and i think uh, guys who watching us know as well that uh, first like you know first uh, seconds like three up to five seconds are really like uh, key driven seconds. So you really need to make sure to catch user uh, attention. I think uh, like 40 maybe percent watching actually uh, creative till the end like video. So you can also interact on the like end of the video but I will really focus on the beginning and uh, you can test different like the, you can use one concept of the creative and you can actually change those three seconds, like show uh, maybe different characters, show different features of the game. It can also show you what uh, people likes, what feature they prefer in your game. Uh, you can learn about uh, your users as well when you interact and changing things to test. Mm. Yeah, but uh, what I found nice, we do it, uh, it's, uh, we, we do different tests within different games because we have different genres. Uh, but what uh, I noticed that uh, like actual gameplay worked the best, like when you show an actual gameplay, when you interact a lot, uh, like in the video uh, with the main features and uh, always 
nice to show your unique thing in the game because you know it's uh, a lot of similar genres right like a similar mechanic of the games so it's nice to find something unique in your game that's why i work this product team as well on this point a lot and actually show it if you have some uh, unique quests or events it's really nice to show it do you find that the the total length of the creative matters at all or, or has an impact like you, you mentioned you know the first three to five seconds are the maybe like most important but yeah. um you know do you find when you go from 10 to 30 to 45 or 60 seconds like is there a difference in you know performance or anything like that yeah i tested actually i tested like uh, we saw that uh, only for instance six seconds were watched in the videos in some tests and I actually, we redid it, this uh, creative, and we added uh, the uh, gameplay, which we show after six seconds in the beginning. So we also wanted to see if people actually watch it, how it will work. If it, And sometimes it did not work or sometimes it works. So yeah, just uh, you should check this share of uh, watch of the specific video and try to also maybe redo this creative and put those elements which was not shown, uh, was not, uh, yeah, uh, showed uh, in the beginning of the video. Are so you able to get the, the insights as far as like when people stopped watching, if it's in like a rewarded format where like the player's forced to have the full 30 seconds, but like, you know, are, are you able to figure out at what point they just like put their phone down and they stop caring? Yeah, uh, I work. Uh, I used to work and work a lot of with Facebook and uh, actually in the uh, report you can see uh, on the creative report you can see uh, how long specific video have been watched so it's like only six seconds or eight seconds that's how it show us what elements we might replace and put in the beginning to see if actually they will catch the user intention. So if they stopped watching in eight seconds, maybe you need to start at like five or six seconds and be like, okay, what do we put in there? Let's try putting something yeah. else in and see if we can yeah. get them to watch the 10 seconds. Yeah, for gotcha. sure. Because it might be missed and uh, those features might be missed, but they actually can bring you great KPIs. Yeah. But generally you find that the longer that people will watch the ad, the higher your IPM will probably be. Depends of the actually creative, I think depends of the video, but most of the times, uh, to be honest, uh, users watching like first five, six seconds. From my experience, of course, it can work differently for other people. But in my experience, that's, uh, for instance, for strategy uh, game, uh, Starbound, we found, uh, of course, uh, that user watch longer time uh, video because we can show some tips or some special events in this video. And it's if it's like a game story, like, you know, story uh, about the game or uh, you really show like kind of tutorials, so it can be watched until the end or cinematic video, so. Yeah, it depends on the video, it depends on the genre of the game. Cool. Do you find that having a portrait versus landscape plays into effect of how effective a creative can be? Or is that something that you should be testing? Uh, for sure, you should be testing this because like, you can put a portrait uh, landscape uh, square videos into one test and you can see how your metrics are changing, your IPM is changing just because of the 
uh, ratio. But uh, uh, from sometimes if you game, for instance, in vertical, like itself, so it's sometimes difficult to do a horizontal uh, video. It will just look terrible. So uh, if your game is vertical and what we do is mostly we do vertical creatives, it just looks nicer. Now, I mean, depends of the networks, right? As well, like in some networks, uh, portrait videos works better in some horizontal and also placements works differently. So you need to test it. Like, you know, I cannot really like guarantee that portrait will work <laughs> the best for your game. You actually need to test it. What's your experience or recommendations around like different types of placements, like a playable versus rewarded video versus like an interstitial? Um, is it just you got to test everything and see what works? Or, you know, do you find certain things work best for um, certain types of ads or genres or whatnot? I think uh, just some people will tell you that playable not working for them at all. Like they bring in really uh bad ROAS or like retention but some people will assume you that uh, playable works the best for them for us personal works really good videos and we actually can show a lot of nice things in the video also make them kind of interactive because you can show them the main like you know features and uh, they will look really engagement as an interactive uh, videos yeah, I think you also need to test it, really. And uh, playable ads, we did not do in Shipyard, but I had an experience with playable ads. And I think depends on the genre of the game, again, uh, playable ads can fail or win. But now I think playable, I really like them because uh, I really personally prefer to uh, have the chance to play the game like before I actually install it. So to understand uh, how it works. And it's also nice for advertisers because you can actually learn uh, about your players when you're showing some interactive creatives. If you put some different features right in the playable ads, you can actually learn what features your potential player will like. So I feel like in the last you know, 10, 15 minutes, we've talked a lot about like testing and iterating and changing your creatives and stuff. Um, for people that maybe haven't done that before, it's maybe a very daunting task of like, how do I possibly make this many videos and these changes and things like that? So, you know, do you have any like tips around like what size team should this be? Should it be outsourced? Are there like tools or things that you've found that work really well and can help you be faster at uh, you know creating these different creatives i think it's uh depends of the company resources right like if you work in the massive uh, company which has budget and uh, uh, want to try something like maybe new and see they have like great marketing team but they actually want to see uh how it will look like they created from the outsource perspective right so they work with the agencies uh we lucky we have really great uh, marketing team in the company in shipyard so we really work a lot with them we work really closely with them and uh, we create a nice creatives we have brainstorms uh, i do share with them the reports and they actually understand why specific creative doesn't work but uh, I know a lot of people actually do mixing like they do in-house creatives and they also do like 
find agencies. There are a lot of agencies who you can work with. But uh, I mean, from my perspective, you know your product the, bo- the best. And yeah, you can create pretty nice things. Okay, so let's let's move our game forward into like our, our full on global launch. Um, you know what what should UA be doing at that point in time? Because I've now gone from maybe being soft launched in like four countries to all the countries that I'm going to support. Like you know what does that look like from a, a UA uh, perspective? Well, I think it's also like uh, about expanding your market, not only you know. Uh, geo uh, point of view but also different networks try different networks uh, see what will work for you uh, the best you never know in which network uh, you can acquire your users also make sure that uh, you actually users who you acquire staying within your game so it's also important to do post installs activities and uh, continue learning about your users uh, you know uh, yeah, I think uh, expanding the market, expanding your uh, metrics like LTV retention, it's never ending like circle. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. I, as, and then, you know, once you get past that initial launch stage, um, so I, I've been hearing from a lot of, uh, well, merge games are becoming very popular, right? Um, but I hear from a lot of them that they you know, scale up to maybe 200,000 daily active users. They've got really good, like early retention and stuff. And then they just kind of like plateau at that, like 200,000, like not many are able to get up to that, like, you know, 1 million daily active users or whatnot that are often sought for. Um, You know, have you ever encountered a situation in a game where, you know, you scaled up and then you kind of hit a plateau? I mean, uh, if you actually, uh, you see that uh, your daily active users are dropping, uh, you should actually understand why it's happening uh, in the game, like uh, in which level it's happening and why they're not staying in the game and uh, maybe... Uh, send them some uh, special offers uh, to actually keep them and yeah but I think it's also winning situation because when you acquire such a big volume which you mentioned it's also helping your organic uplift so uh, mm-hmm. depends on the uh, genre of the game of monetization if uh, you monetized on ads mostly so volume is really important for you and uh, keep trying to reward your users to stay, send them some offers, uh, send some ads, which you will see that there is offers to retargeting. And for in-apps, it's really important volume and quality of the users. So it's really completely different strategy. Yeah. As you, you know, kind of get further on into the live game, um, and you, you sort of mentioned this before, so I'm going to assume that it's a yes, but um, do you find that it's effective to kind of start to blend in your time-limited events into like your advertising and stuff? So like if I've got a big Halloween event that I know is going to run, you know, over the, the week of Halloween, like, would you create some new creatives that add some of those elements in to try to either re-engage churn players or to get new players in um, what sort of uh, success or 
you know, things would you do with that? Of course, I think the seasonality is really great opportunity for advertisers for the company. And uh, if you know there is some uh, seasonality, some special days are coming, not just Halloween, but actually specific uh, special day in this uh, Jello. Uh, so it's really nice to actually send this in ads to this uh, market, to these users to show that you prepare something for them and uh, it can bring really uh, nice users. It can bring really nice uh, uh, experience of users and they will really appreciate it that you showed it, that they have some diversity within your game, that uh, it's also fun for them, that they can actually play some different events within your game. But I think it's also like depends of segmentation of the player, what you will mm-hmm. send. Them. Uh, so it's really important to understand your segmentation and what you want, like what event do you want to send them. It can also, of course, be general like event, like Halloween event for all the users. But uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes it's uh, actually uh, done a bit wrong because uh, you're playing the game and you have to like pass certain of levels to actually achieve this event. So it will. I was gonna be, ask. <laughs> yeah, it will be like I'm. If I see that uh, I see the ad with the like Halloween event, and I'm going actually exciting playing this event, and I'm like. Uh, see that I need to pass some levels uh, till I like enable this event. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm passed. I don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. really important to send it to the, you know, right time. If you have such like short event, it's nice if user will do it right away. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Um, well, I, I know we're just about out of time here. I feel like we could go for another hour or so, but uh, this is super, super great. Um, I have one kind of final question for you. Um, and, and that is, you know, at what level should the UA person be in sync with, um, you know, the CPIs and LTVs? Because, you know, I, I think a lot of times, I hear from people that think about, okay, well, my CPI is a dollar and my LTV is like 150 and I just need to like scale it up. But I feel like that's not really actually the case because different channels and even different segments within those channels will have different CPIs and different LTVs. So, you know, how do you manage the complexity and make sure that the users that I'm acquiring are actually profitable or and actually kind of being retained appropriately? Um, or, you know, how, how do you handle all of that? Because I think it's a lot more complex than just the, the two numbers, right? You've got two yeah. numbers for each of those different segments and channels. That's why it's important to understand what users you afford to acquire and what users you need to acquire within the network. Actually, it's different users within the networks. Like uh, there are users, uh, for instance, on Facebook with higher LTV and for instance, in some network, it's lower LTV. And uh, you need to look to the uh, network, what kind of users they have, like uh, also about your genre if it's like in apps and it's important ltv for you and it's important like ROS for you so go with these uh, major networks which have higher quality users and make sure to acquire users you can acquire users for one dollar 
for instance, uh, but like then when you actually expanding your LTV and you trying to keep the user, you trying to, you know, uh, make sure that uh, they do some actions within your game, uh, you can be in the winning position. So mm. it's sometimes not working that uh, your LTV, it's like, 50 cents, right? And you acquire for $1 user. So try to actually expand this uh, LTV for this user. That's interesting. I love that. Cool. <laughs> well, uh, one final question, because we are in the Mastering Retention Podcast, of course, and that is, you know, what's one tip or trick that you found over your years in games that helps to increase uh, player retention? Like, how do you keep players playing for longer? I think it's really like crucial, first of all, crucial to uh, understand your audience, as I mentioned a lot, because it's really main key. Uh, it's great to have a great product, so collaborate with the product team. And uh, yeah, understand your players, communicate with your players. It's uh, a lot of great ways to do it. And uh, yeah, understand the you know psychology of your player to keep them within your game. But if you have nice product, uh, it was it will always uh, good retention. It was always like loyal users in your game. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Varya. This has been uh, truly a pleasure. Uh, if people do want to get in touch with you with any you know thoughts or questions, is there a good way for them to do that? Uh, I have LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, uh, you can paste my LinkedIn later on. Uh, just DM me on uh, Slack channels. I have uh, a lot of Slack channels. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just message me on email or anytime. I'm really open to meet new people and talk. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been truly a pleasure. Thank you, Tom. Bye.